Thank you. So the good news about my beloved West Coast Eagles not making it to the grand final this year is that I have not lost my voice for this morning. <laughs> so finding the silver linings where I can. So as lots of you guys in the church here know, we've been praying for my sister, Trudy. Um, she was diagnosed with breast cancer earlier this year. And over the course of six weeks, she went from a diagnosis of stage one cancer, so a small lump, uh, about two centimetres big, um, in one breast, and all the medical professionals going, yay you, you found it really early and you came straight to the doctor, good on you, we're gonna get this dealt with and you're gonna be fine. To having the lumpectomy, and the tumour being double that size, and having already spread to her lymph nodes, so stage two cancer. To then having full body scans and discovering five tumours in her bones. So over the course of six weeks, going from initial diagnosis to stage four cancer. It's been a really tough year <laughs> for our family in dealing with that. And my sister is incredible. Um, lots of you guys are friends with her on Facebook and you would see her posts and just the, strength and the resilience and the grace uh, is remarkable and I consider myself a fairly strong person and I doubt I would be walking through this journey as well as she is. Um, it's been phenomenal. So the really good thing is that God's moving and you know we've been praying here at church and lots of people around the country and the world praying for her and you know we haven't seen God just go Zit, they're all gone but the tumours are shrinking her bones are repairing. So she was getting fractures in her bones where the tumours are because um, the bones were deteriorating so badly. But the bones are coming back and they're being restored. And all of her blood markers are coming back lower and stable. So it's been phenomenal. But there's been a lot of fear. And so I guess I was fearful for her. I was fearful for what it meant for her family. I was fearful for me. For those of you guys, again, who know her, her and I look just a little bit similar. And so there's a fairly good guess that we've got some pretty strong genetic connections there and a lot of similarities. So I got scared for me and my family. And so right at the start of all of this, I was praying. And I remembered that verse in 1 John chapter 4, perfect love casts out all fear. And I was praying that. And so then I decided to actually study that verse. And I realised that it actually isn't saying what I thought it was saying. And so today I'm going to share with you guys what I've learnt about that verse. Um, and hopefully, you know, we'll all learn something a little bit through um, what I share today and have a bit of a bigger perspective on what that verse really means. So the message version, just so we don't need to go with it just yet, Dean, but the message version of just um, verse 18 says, there is no room in love for fear. Well-formed love banishes fear. Since fear is crippling, a fearful life, fear of death, fear of judgment, is one not, fully, not yet fully formed in love. So when I was like a little baby Christian, well, same height, but baby Christian, um, I was just like, okay, this is talking about God's love shown for me on the cross, the power of that love to take away my fear, to deal with the things in my life. This is, this is a personal thing. It's all about me and my heart and the balance in my heart of love versus fear 
and the way that I walk that out in my mind and in my life. But it is so much more than that. Like, that's this much of the passages around this verse. So, to understand what verse 18 is actually telling us, we need to go back to verse 7. So, Dean's going to throw some up for me, but they're in a different translation, so bear with me. So, starting at verse 7. Beloved, let us love one another, because love is from God. Everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God, for God is love. God's love was revealed among us in this way. God sent his only son into the world so that we might live through him. In this is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the atoning sacrifice for our sins. Beloved, since God loves us so much, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is perfected in us. By this we know that we abide in him and he in us, because he has given us his spirit. And we have seen and do testify that the Father has sent his Son as the Saviour of the world. God abides in those who confess that Jesus is the Son of God and they abide in God. So we have known and believe the love that God has for us. God is love. And those who abide in love abide in God and God abides in them. Love has been perfected among us in this that we may have boldness on the day of judgment, because as he is, so are we in this world. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. For fear has to do with punishment, and whoever fears has not reached perfection in love. We love because he first loved us. Those who say, I love God, but hate their brothers and sisters are liars. And those who do not love a brother or sister whom they have seen cannot love God whom they have not seen. The commandment we have from him is this. Those who love God must love their brothers and sisters also. So I'm going to break down each of the sections of this. But what I'd taken initially as one little snippet of a verse that I made all about God's love for me is like so much of the Bible where the bigger context is actually about our love for each other and God's love for all of us. So, verse 7 and 8. Beloved, let us love one another because love is from God. Everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God, for God is love. The only source of love that's powerful enough to cast out fear, is God. We see people all around us trying to fill their lives with love of all sorts of types, but the only love that actually has that power and that weight behind it is the love of God. And immediately we see in this passage that the love we receive from God is linked to the love that we then show other people because that love we show others is from God. So... We're not saying that we need to love people to earn God's love or be worthy of it. 
But if we're loving God and receiving that love from him, our automatic response should be to share that love with others. So if love comes from God and I know him, I have the capacity to love anyone without limit, the same way that God does. The question is, will I? So we know that the Bible teaches that God is love, but this little bit kind of blew my mind. Only twice in the Bible does it explicitly say that. That phrase, God is love, twice in the Bible, and both of them here in 1 John chapter 4. So God is love. He's, it's more than just that he's loving. Anyone can be loving, but God is love. So love is an ultimate and defining attribute of God. Love motivates and colours everything that he does in heaven and on earth, every breath that he takes. It's in his nature and his very being. It is at the core of everything that he is. It's more than a behaviour or a choice. And God's love doesn't eliminate his holiness or his righteousness or his justice. Instead, what we know is that the holiness of God is loving, that the righteousness of God is loving, that the justice of God is loving. Everything he does in one way or another is an expression of his love. And love is not the exclusive domain of Christians. Like, we don't have a full handle on this, and it's not just us who have this. Non-Christians can be even more loving than some Christians I've met. Um, but the thing is, that love that has that power to disarm fear comes from God. So we're all created in that image of God, and we all have that capacity to love. And that love that God gives us is that love that can transform lives. Any love of humanity is going to fall short of that power. So verse 9 and 10. God's love was revealed among us in this way. God sent his only son into the world so that we might live through him. In this is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the atoning sacrifice for our sins. One of the central themes of the gospel here. So the love that transforms our fear is founded in a deep desperation for people and God to be reconciled and reconnected. That love that will transform us seeks to see lives redeemed. And in thinking about this, I think certainly in my life, most of the fears that I battle, the root of that fear is based in my relationship with other people. For me, if I narrow it down and I go down the spiral and the rabbit hole to the bottom of what my fear is, it's pretty much always the fear that I'm going to be rejected. And it's relationally based. And I think other than my somewhat irrational fear of spiders, most fears that we have in our life are going to be relationship based. And so for me, and I just made this connection this morning, if we are living our lives based on this love from God and loving other people and seeing people through God's eyes and God's lens, 
we're not going to be fearful of that relationship with them because we know God's got them and we know God's got us, so fear can't stand. Does that make sense? Cool. So, this love of God is defined not just by the sacrifice of Jesus and his choice, but that incredibly generous gift of the Father. Often we look at the sacrifice of Jesus, but we need to remember the gift of the Father in this. And it's not enough for us to love God. Anyone can say that they love God. But it's the love that then moves us to express that love for others with such a passion and a fervour that the people around us have no choice but to pay attention. No choice but to go, hey, what is it? And I need that. There was no price that was too much for God to pay to see every single person throughout all of humanity restored to him. And I wonder, and I know, sometimes that cost is too much for us. And I think, you know, I really hope that today everyone can walk away from this going, oh, I need to maybe just love people a little bit better um, and a little bit differently and get my head around this a little bit more because that's how we're going to see our community changed. So verse 11, beloved, since God loved us so much, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God, love, God lives in us and his love is perfected in us. So again, the repetitive theme. I hope you're picking up on it. Having received this love, we're directed to love others. And it's in the later part of verse 12 that we get our first reference to perfected love. So if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is perfected in us. So the Greek word, because we all know your sermon's better if you include the original Greek, it, that's translated here is teleu, lots of vowels, T-E-L-E-I-O-O. So that word means finished, completed, or accomplished. It doesn't mean flawless. So the verse that we're talking about here, about the perfect love of God that can transform lives and remove fear, is not a flawless love but it's a completed and accomplished love it's a finished and finalized love and we know that love was finished on the cross so i think that's really good because none of us can love people flawlessly none of us can do anything flawlessly but as we have god's love come into completion in us and our love for other people come into completion then that's where this love becomes perfected and that's where it gains its full power. So verse 13 to 16. By this we know that we abide in him and he in us because he has given us of his spirit. And we have seen and do testify that the father has sent his son as the saviour of the world. God abides in those who confess that Jesus is the son of God and they abide in God. So we have known and believed the love that God has for us. God is love, and those who abide in love abide in God, and God abides in them. So in verse 16, that second and final direct reference in the Bible, God is love. And those who abide in love 
abide in God and God abides in them. So the action of us actually abiding in God's love and God's love abiding in us is what gives and produces that love that we can then freely give to others. It's this combination, the us abiding in God's love and God's love abiding in us that gets described as the perfect or completed love. So the Greek word for abide is from the root word meno. It means to stay or to not depart, to remain, not leave, to continue to be present. So as we love others, God remains in and with us and continues to be present in our lives, perfecting his love as we pour it out for others. His love cannot be perfected or completed in us unless it is shared with those around us. Otherwise, we are stopping halfway. I hear a wow, so do you want me to say that again? Okay. (laughs) Let me find it. His love cannot be perfected and completed in us unless it is shared with those around us. So no one has seen God. The love we show other people provides evidence for the presence of God. It's not power or popularity or passion that reveals the presence of God in this world. Wherever God is present and working, there's going to be an abiding, remaining presence of God's love in our lives And that's what people will connect with. That is how people will know him. That is how people will recognise him. So looking also at the use of the word abiding in verse 15. God abides in those who confess that Jesus is the son of God and they abide in God. So in one of the commentaries I read, said that this can be understood to mean something has established itself permanently within my soul and always exerts its power in me. So this verse is saying that when God's love has established itself permanently within my soul and always exerts its power in me, that's when we're positioned for this perfected love. So to get to the crux of it, verse 17 and 18, this has all been the build-up and the context. Love has been perfected among us in this, that we may have boldness on the day of judgment, because as he is, so are we in the world. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. For fear has to do with punishment, and whoever fears has not reached perfection in love. So we don't gain confidence in ourselves and in our life and in relationships because we are sinlessly perfect in the way we love. As I said before, this is not a flawless love. We gain confidence by investing ourselves in the places and people where we can put our words into action, where we say that we love and we actually do it with sincerity and in truth. And because of this perfected love, We can stand confident and free of worry when we stand before God on the day of judgment at the end of our days here on earth. We don't need to be paralysed or depressed by fear of judgment because this love being expressed shows that we're becoming more like Jesus. We can't live at odds with the character of Jesus and God, which is love, 
and then expect to be confident when we stand before him. So as we are perfecting this love in our walk with God, we get that confidence to stand before him without fear throughout our lives. And so here, it's not just the Greek word teleu, meaning mature and completeness here for the perfect, perfect, perfect love. The author writes teleu, teleu, speaking of a love that's perfectly perfected or completely completed, takes it that one little step further. So perfectly perfected or completely completed love is the love of God himself expressing itself in our love to each other. And this is the love that casts out fear. It's not flawless, but it is the only type of love that brings completion and wholeness to a life, be it our own or others. And it is so encouraging that our love can be perfected without being flawless. It's all about God's love reaching its appointed goal of another human person's heart through practical human love. And as we move from an incomplete idea or motivation of potential to love into action, that's when this whole process comes through and is finding its completion. So perfect love accomplishes something now. We cannot both perfectly love and fear the same person or thing at the same time. So a perfected love will change our attitude or our actions in the moment. When that love comes in, fear has to quit. And both the possibility and the necessity of loving each other have their origins in God. So for years, I thought that the perfect love here was just about the cross and God's love for me, Jesus' sacrifice for me. I'd read this verse in isolation, and I thought I knew what it was talking about. Um, you know, what love could be more perfect than, you know, that love on the cross that sets me free? But just this year, in studying this, I've gone, oh my gosh, it is so much more, so much more. It goes so much further and actually requires action from us. So fear cripples. Fear of people, fear of circumstances, fear of death, fear of judgment. But if we can know and believe the love that God has for us and live a life expressing it to others whilst abiding in that love, fear cannot stand. So if perfect, perfect love is made by the coming together of an abiding, loving God and love expressed to others, it makes sense to me that if we've entered that place where fear is ruling, one of two things is out of balance. First, we need to consider what would make us stop believing in God, in his love for us, and if that thing has happened in our lives. Secondly, we need to consider what's stopping us from loving people. And so I think if we can do a little mini assessment on our belief and our trust in God's love for us and the way that we love other people, that will help us find the root of that fear. And the power of life and death is in the tongue. So if you can't pinpoint what's going on and where the block is in terms of dealing with fear, Look to your thoughts and your speech. 
about God and about yourself and about other people? Does love colour your words? Or is it hate, anger and bitterness? Words of love will affirm that perfect love within yourself and your ability to share it with others. Words of hate will lead to fear and death. And words, of, words and thoughts that are repeated often enough will literally change the architecture in our brains and our neural connections. So we want to look at getting the balance of this now <laughs> to produce behaviour change. And the really good thing is when we are working on our thoughts and our words and our actions all at the same time, we start rewriting our brain and we start rewriting those neural connections and it makes it easier to then live your life out of that place. So I find it so interesting and it makes me really want to go back and reread all of those passages that I found so important really early in my Christian life. Um, now as a mature person, <laughs> more mature, um, but that my, my first interpretation of this verse was all about me and my pain. And that was what God needed me to hear at that time. He needed me to know that his love for me could get rid of that fear. But I'm at the point now where I don't need to know that bit so much as I need to know what that really means in the bigger context, which is what I've shared with you today. And that it's about the love for other people and that ultimately this verse is all about social justice and it's all about the redemptive justice and power of God and seeing God's love come alive in our community. So, it would be very remiss of me to bring a message about love and not give a call to action. So, I've got two ways that you can start loving some people in this town that I'm very passionate about. First of all, foster care. We need foster carers. For those of you who don't know, I work in child protection. We need foster carers. Um, I looked up the stats. Um, I should have looked this up when I was actually at work and I had access to better stats than just this morning on Google. But in 2017, nationally, there were 47,915 kids in foster care. And different states record those statistics differently. So I would say that there are a lot more children than that. I'm not even going to try and guess it who are not included in that statistic, but who are still not living with their parents, but may have parental responsibility allocated to a relative or something else. Thousands upon thousands upon thousands of children cannot live safely with their parents and they need a safe home. So if you are interested in learning about foster care, please come talk to me. <laughs> I would love to point you in the right direction. Um, secondly, and the main one that I want to focus on, Every now and again, Adam and I will have these conversations about what we're going to do if we win a million dollars. Usually it's the, you know, $22 million jackpot kind of lotto thing. And we never actually really buy lotto tickets, but we just talk about what we would do if we had the money. And without exception, our dream always comes back to providing a safe place for the most vulnerable people in our community. It comes back to a place where people can come and be loved 
and restored and find healing and hope. And we've just sat there going, well, it's a really nice dream, but we just don't have the resources. We don't have the money to buy a building. We don't have money to hire staff. And, you know, we, it's a dream. But God is faithful. And while we did not win several million dollars, God has made a way. So with a group of like-hearted Christian people in this town, who many of you will know, um, so Sarah Day, Beck Clark, Chris and Jeannie Martin, Ads and I have established Safe Waters Community Care, a new um, incorporated charitable organisation, not-for-profit, getting all of our rights, statistic, uh, not statistics, names and incorporations sorted. And we are going to try and make a difference. So, we've got a little slideshow for you. We've shown this to the leaders of the churches in town. We had a big community forum with all the, most of the church leaders. Ads and I represented our church there. And the response from the pastors and leaders in this church has been phenomenal. Um, we've got people going, I don't know if we've got a building you can use, but we've got people, we've got volunteers, we've got this, we've got that. Um, council is excited. Um, so I want to share this with you today because it is a practical opportunity for you to get in and start loving some people once we get up and running. We're still very much in the initial stages, um, but this will give you an idea of what we're hoping for. So, new not-for-profit, um, and our focus is going to be on assisting vulnerable people in our local community, particularly people experiencing homelessness, domestic violence, and substance misuse difficulties. So immediately we're starting with a safe shelter. I don't know how much you guys may have heard about the safe shelter in Nowra, but there is through a conjunction of and a grouping of churches up in Nowra, a safe shelter that's run based on volunteers and donations. And that will be kind of a model that we're looking at initially. Then we're hoping to move into domestic violence, Airbnb, um, detox, safe house, and looking at the way that tiny homes can be used to assist with homelessness. So, I don't know how much you guys know about emergency accommodation for homelessness. There is nothing in Ulladulla. Um, so people call Link to Home, uh, 1-800-152-152, and they will get an initial two nights in a hotel, and then they need to keep reapplying for emergency accommodation up to 28 days in a calendar year. Um, other than that, all of our homelessness services are based in Nowra. The closest refuges are Batemans Bay or Naruma, and then Nowra, Wollongong. And it's really hard to get people into them. Um, so next one. So really Sarah came up with the vision for this and wanting to do this here in our community. And then she contacted people who she knew had a like heart. And the question was, just imagine what would happen if the local churches actually did something together to address this. What a difference it could make. And so this is not limited to churches and to Christians doing this. This is going to be open to anyone in the community who we appropriately vet as being safe to be involved um, to get on board. So we've got the support of the local churches and with council to set up a safe shelter. 
But we need volunteers, people who are going to help us with the practicals of this. So this is why I'm sharing this today, to plant the seeds for you guys to go, hey, that sounds really cool and really exciting. I might be able to do something. So a building is the first thing we need. And the really exciting thing is we currently are looking at four different venues. So we were just looking for one, and then we've now had four that have come up that we can actually look at what's going to best suit the needs. So that's pretty cool. So we're working on the building. And basically what would happen is from late in the afternoon until the next morning, we'll have volunteers coming in and out, providing meals, community, and a safe place for people to stay at night, and then packing up the next day. So the volunteers, this is where you guys will hopefully come in, or other people that you know in your circle. So we need people to stay there overnight, we need people to cook, we need people to clean, we need people to just to hang around and play games and talk to people and engage with them and love on them. Um, and we are going to need funding, um, so that will again be something that we really focus on behind doors um, for how we're going to do that um, and how we're going to gather donations to get this thing running. So this is two pictures that Sarah found. We're hoping it's going to be somewhere in the middle between the two. Um, but basically, we need a large space for people to actually sleep. And you know, taking into account child protection and domestic violence um, dynamics, you know, we will be looking at really carefully whatever building we choose to be able to appropriately meet people's needs safely. So we're going to have like a communal dining area where people can actually eat food together and just share life. Volunteers for cooking and serving food, for support and men, um, mentoring. All the practicals, you know, beds, sheets, pillows, things people actually need to sleep. Laundry, toilet facilities, storage, donated food and clothing and TV and games, etc. But basically just a place where people can safely be overnight instead of being in the car or on their streets. Um, and where they can get loved on in the process. So more than just a roof, but a place to receive love. So then in the morning, our guests will get directed to specialist services as needed. Um, and we'll look at you know, how that'll work and what, what building we get will determine what that might look like. So we're looking for a combined church and community effort to address something that has not been adequately addressed in this town ever. I've been on community forums and meetings since I moved here like 15 years ago with people going, we need to address homelessness in this town and never a solution. And so it's so exciting that now we have a solution or at least a step towards something. So we will provide training. The guys up at Nowra have training established through TAFE and we're, going to, we're talking to TAFE about what can happen and how we can link into that. So the majority of our committee members are trained professionals in community services sector or have relevant experience. And so we're going to be volunteering our time to set this up well and learning from other places that have done something similar. So we can set this up without making the same mistakes they do. And we're trying to gather the people. Again, why I'm doing this today and sharing with you guys. So, 
now you know. It's been a little hush-hush, but now you guys know, and we're getting the word out to all the churches, and we're wanting to start to gather expressions of interest from people who might want to be involved in some way, shape, or form. It might be something where you go, I can go hang out and play cards with some people one night a month. Perfect. You might go, I can cook meals once a week. Perfect. We can't all do everything, but if we all do something, we're going to see this change in our community and see some of the most vulnerable people in our community experience love and hope and care for maybe the first time in decades. So, perfect love. It's not flawless and it's often quite messy. But it's what we're called to do, and it's that perfect love of God loving us and us loving people that casts out fear. So, have a think about it. I'll be up the back for you to ask questions about our safe shelter and for you to pop your name down on some sheets if you want to receive more information. And Ads and I will be keeping church updated. Sarah and Josh are fully on board, which is really exciting. Um, as I said, all the community church leaders we've spoken to so far are on board. And it's a beautiful opportunity for us to put this love of God into action and make a difference here. So I'm going to hand over to Swelly. Thanks, guys. Let's give Lisa a big hand. Oh, sorry. Um, I think love is one of those things that people talk about. It's... Uh, it can be very broad. That's probably one of the best definitions and examples I've ever heard of love. Thank you so much, Lisa. And again, to put it into a practical sense, I'd encourage all of us to think about what we could do for that project. Um, what a great opportunity, and well done to you guys for setting that up. All righty, let's get some music going, shall we? And we'll get things done.